Welcome everybody to the Crosspoint Sermon Podcast. And there's no one better than King Jesus to come in when we are broken and we're at our lows and we're at our highs. We need him to come in. Jesus has rescued you and he didn't do it for you to remain silent. He rescued you so not only can you be restored, but so that you can reach out and rescue others. In today's podcast, Pastor Jonathan teaches on the second purpose of Crosspoint Church, and that is the call to rescue. We're going to jump into the Word here, and uh, I'm excited about what God is doing. We're in a series entitled The Call of the Church, The Call of the Church, and we are basing all of this on the mandate that God has given this church. And you see it on the walls, you see it in our print, you see it everywhere we go, but we are a church of, that relies on four R's, and everything that we do as a church falls under those four R's. And those four R's are what? Reach, rescue, restore, and release. And that's what we do. We're all about those. And last week, we started this series off and we talked about the reach and the importance of the reach. So today we get to talk about the rescue. It's going to be awesome. And then next week we get to talk about restore. But we're actually going to break that up into two parts. So you're going to get two weeks of the restore. There's just so much to talk about. We want to, we, I just couldn't fill it in in one week. So we're going to talk about, we're going to split that up into two weeks. And as we're talking today about the rescue, we are in a place where we need to be rescued. And re- the rescue is so important and is so vital to us as believers. We have to come to a place in our hearts where we realize that we can't do everything on our own. Even when we've accepted Christ, we still can't do everything on our own, right? We still need the rescuer involved in our life. And there's no one better than King Jesus to come in when we are broken and we're at our lows and we're at our highs. We need him to come in. But especially in the times when we've lost the ability to understand right from wrong as we're in today. We have different gods shouting for our attention. We have different ideologies and theologies trying to distract us from the one who desires the best for us. And gone are the days where the majority of Americans have built their lives on a biblical foundation and worldview, which makes evangelism a little bit different. It makes the reach a little bit different. It's a little bit more challenging, but to me it's also a little bit more exciting because we get to introduce people to King Jesus for the first time and talk about him, and be the representative that we're supposed to be. But I love what pastor and author Larry Osborne says. He says, we no longer have the advantage of building upon an existing foundation of basic biblical knowledge or even a vague familiarity with it. In many cases, we have to blast before we build, getting rid of a ton of goofy ideas about Jesus and the Bible that have no basis in scripture. And we deal with this all the time because we have a people in a society, in a world that loves cut and paste theology. 
we're gonna cut a little bit out here and we're gonna put it in our little foundation. Then we're gonna go over to this religion and we're gonna cut a little bit of what we like and we're gonna put it here. And the stuff that we don't like, we're gonna just leave it there. But we're gonna cut and paste. We all like to cut and paste, right? And we cut and paste all this stuff and we have, we've built our little foundation. The problem is our foundation has all these cracks in it. And those cracks are going to reveal themselves. They're gonna get worse and they will break. We have cut and paste theology. We have TikTok theology. We have Instagram theology. We have Pinterest theology. We have YouTube theology. I have a question about this. Instead of sitting down and talking about it, we direct people to YouTube. Well, YouTube has the answer. YouTube's full of weirdos. <laughs> You're saying, Pastor, isn't the church on YouTube? Yes, and I'm weird. <laughs> but it's a good weird. We, we infiltrate, you know. But if we base everything on what we just see and hear on YouTube, instead of what we're getting here, we're going to have a cracked foundation. We gotta, we, we've got to stop following. Lord, we need a rescue from all these false narratives that are coming in and attacking us every day with their theology. And here, here's some things that, that are taught that are not biblical. You might have heard these things are biblical, but they're not in the Bible. Like, happiness is what matters most. No, happiness is fleeting. It only lasts for a little while. We're looking for the joy that sustains from the one who sustains. That's a whole nother sermon. I can get on that. Jesus just wants you to be happy. He never said that. Jesus never said, I just want my people to be happy. So, don't worry about being martyred. <laughs> Paul, don't worry about following what I've asked you to do. Just don't worry about the, being in prison all those times. We're going to face some hardships. How about just listen to your heart? And if you just listen to your heart, you'll just be a good person. And that's all you need. You know, Jesus is a way, a truth, and it's a pretty good lifestyle for those that are into that. Or how about this one? Just be true to yourself. <laughs> you fallen, misguided, cracked up person. <laughs> but then if we start believing that, then we start hearing the other narratives and the lies. And we start believing these things like you're too far gone to be saved. You know, God, you've done so much, God's given up on you. You know why these bad things are happening? Because if you'd be a better Christian, you know that person that hurt you, you really don't have to forgive them. 
It's the same thing and the same narratives that the Israelites found in Egypt. And they were rescued from that. And this is what happened. Exodus 6, 6, God's promise. Therefore, I say to the people of Israel, I am the Lord. I will free you from your oppression and will rescue you from your slavery in Egypt. I will redeem you with a powerful arm and great acts of judgment. I will rescue. That's what God promises. I will rescue. I will rescue. All throughout the Bible, I will rescue. I will rescue. I will rescue. The problem is the Israelites decided to waste their rescue and they wandered around the wilderness for 40 years. And I have a question for us. If we've been rescued by Jesus, save we are walking in salvation, are we wasting our rescue? because we're not called to waste the rescue. What's our response gonna be? Are we gonna be just like the Israelites? Or are we gonna hold on to Jesus? Galatians 1, three through five says, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. He gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age. Whoo, why did he do that? Psalm 91, 14, because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him, I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. What are we doing with our rescue? God the Father, his desire is to always be your rescuer. The desire of Jesus is to provide your rescue and the call of the Holy Spirit is to empower you to discover those in need of being rescued. And the church is supposed to be in the rescue business. And that's where we get our second R, the rescue. And we get it from this key scripture. This key scripture is what we do everything at Crosspoint under. And it's Luke 4, 18. And it says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Whew, right? He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. And I'm here to tell you what we're living in is the acceptable year of the Lord. Why is it the acceptable year of the Lord? Because Jesus is alive and he's in us. And if Jesus is in us, then it's acceptable. And our job as the call of the church is to rescue radically. It's to rescue radically. Where do you get that from? To proclaim liberty to the captives, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. That is God's rescue plan for humanity. That's what he wants. Man, you ever been stuck in depression? 
You ever been stuck as the oppressed? Feels good to be rescued. And the call of the church is to rescue radically. That does not mean that the church is the rescuer. Because we've, a lot of times we put our faith so much in the church that we forget to put our faith in God. But it's the job of the church to guide people to the rescuer. God wants us rescued from oppression. He wants us rescued from our past failures. He wants us rescued from our own self-righteousness. None none of y'all deal with that. God wants us rescued from our own pride, and I know y'all don't deal with that either. Uh -uh. Or being a slave to the ways and desires of this world and from sin and death. You know that, that big word that nobody wants to talk about, sin? Jesus only talks about it all the time. But people here, we don't, the church doesn't want to talk about sin because we don't want people to feel bad. Well, I don't care if you feel bad. I want you to be redeemed. So we talk about it because I don't want you stuck there. I want you rescued from it. Romans 7, 24. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Because one feeds the other one. And then if you go, you go to Romans 8, 2, and it says, and because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The rescuer is here. The rescuer is here. Now, the call of the church is this. The radically rescued rescue radically. That is our call. That is what we are supposed to do. The problem is the radically rescued do this. Woo, thank you, Jesus, I'm so good. And then we just want to sit there and wait for Jesus to come back. I'm a little scared to be bold. Why? Jesus was bold for you? The radically, who here has been radically rescued from sin and death, right? Woo, come on. If you have not, we'll fix that this morning. We can lead you to the rescuer. He will take care of you and he will not shun you. And why is it the job for the radically rescued to rescue radically? Because of the call of the church is to be the rescued, is to be called to rescue to make a difference. We are rescued to make a difference. That's what we are here to do. We're not just here to sit on our hands and kumbaya it. The call of the church is for us who are rescued to make a difference. Let's go to John 4. I love this event that took place. This is one of my favorite Events in the Bible is one of my favorite things that happens. 
And it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And Jesus goes and he separates himself from the disciples. And he goes and he waits for this woman. She has no idea about this appointment that's about to happen. She has no idea that her life is about to change forever. She has no idea that she's about to be radically rescued. And here is Jesus sitting here waiting for her to come. And then he strikes up a conversation. And we're gonna pick up this conversation in verse 10, but this is where Jesus has asked her for a drink. And then we're gonna pick it up in verse 10. And it says, Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Verse 16, go and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right. I love how Jesus confirms what she knows. <laughs> you don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. Counseling helps. <laughs> And you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. What'd she do? She didn't hide. She didn't run from it. She admitted it. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Grism where our ancestors worshiped? And Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know about all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. Goes through Jesus. But the time is coming, indeed, it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So here's what, this is just awesome. What's going on right here. Jesus comes, this woman comes up and he instantly meddles in her life. That's why I love being like Jesus. When people say, what do you want to be like? I want to be like Jesus because I get to meddle in your life. <laughs> I get to step on your toes. I get to expose things. It's awesome. And why did Jesus do it? Because he wanted to see her rescued. And that's what I want to see. Jesus meddles in her life right away. And he tells her the truth about how she is living. 
And I'm sure that she has had to live in constant fear, under constant gossip, under constant judgment, ridicule. There's that woman. There, there she is. Everybody, let's go to the other side. There she is. You know, <laughs> she was married to my cousin Bob. <laughs> and, uh, you know, she would do this and this and this and this and this. No wonder he left her. Can you imagine the guilt, the shame, the judgment that she was under? And then here's this Jewish guy who's breaking down barriers. He's breaking down racial barriers because he's a Jew, she's a Samaritan. He's breaking down social barriers because the men aren't supposed to talk to the women. He's breaking down all these barriers just by talking to her. And then he breaks the barrier of sin and death. Isn't that awesome? And Jesus didn't look at her and condemn her for her sin. He said, I got, I got something better for you. It's going to be good. <laughs> and Jesus comes and he steps into her brokenness instead of taking advantage of her. And what he does is he sees her and loves her and releases her into her untapped potential. It's the same thing he does for us. Jesus didn't look at her for who she was. He's looking at her for who she's about to be. Same thing Jesus does for us. And Jesus looked at this woman and rescued her and then amazing things happen. Just, can you just remind yourself of the incredible privilege it is to be rescued by Jesus? How often do we take it for granted? We are under the incredible privilege of being rescued, saved, delivered, redeemed, restored, lifted up, and no longer have to have fear of sin and death because of what Jesus did. But here's the thing. A transformation took place in her. A transformation took place for her. And she never looked at Jesus and just went, you know, I'm just not sure about this. Because a lot of times when we present Jesus to people, people want to think about it. I'm going to take that in. I'm going to do this. Because what they're really saying is we really just want sympathetic Jesus. We want the sympathetic Jesus that's just going to come and sit next to us and tell us it's going to be okay. We can live our lives the way we want to live them. We can sleep with whoever we want to sleep with. We can do whatever we want to do. We can drink all the time. We can, we can, we can talk bad about people all the time. It's okay. We're going to live our life the way we want to live it. We just need Jesus to be sympathetic because we're always the victim.
meddling. That's what I do. <laughs> we aren't sympathetic, Jesus. But what did Jesus tell the woman who was actually caught in adultery when she was done? He said, go and sin no more. What did he tell the lame man when he was healed? Go and sin no more. What is he saying? Stop returning to what I rescued you from. The problem is, we get to this Christian thing and we're like, oh yeah, I wanna be a Christian. I wanna, I wanna, I wanna eternal life. I want all these things. I'm gonna try this for 30 days and if it doesn't work, I'm gonna get a return, right? No. It's not a try-on thing. It's an eternal thing. See, Jesus is all about Repentance. Turn away from the sin. Turn your lifestyle around. Be transformed. Let me help you. And that's what this lady did. That's what the Samaritan woman did. She accepted the living water and she took a total transformation in a moment and she became a totally different person because she let Jesus in all the way. Awesome. So one of the other callings of the church is we are rescued to be transformed. We're not rescued to be the same. Transformation means a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. This, went, this woman went from hiding and just living life to become, to become the rescued woman of God called to deliver the people in her village. Now she's got a calling. Now there's a transformation that's happened inside and she's excited to tell people about Jesus. We've gotta get excited about telling people about Jesus. What he's done for us. Man, you don't understand. Yeah, I may be in debt, we're working on that. Yeah, my finances may not look so good, but we're working on that. But, and you know, I have a horrible past and I'm working on that. But here's what's awesome. I have been redeemed and rescued by the blood of Jesus and I am now gonna tell you about this king who doesn't care what your past is, what you look like, he's come for you. It doesn't matter how bad we screwed up. He still loves us. He still hears our cries of distress. And he transforms us. Listen, we're gonna transform one of two ways. We're gonna transform to the ways the world wants us to transform or we're gonna transform into the things of God. But nobody stays the same. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his what? With ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the spirit. Not only do we get to transform, but with ever increasing glory that comes from the Lord. You're infused with glory. That was a good point. I was just saying. <laughs> See, 
See, God didn't desire Israel to remain the same. He didn't want Moses to remain the same. He didn't let the disciples remain the same. You know, I want you to live for me. It's, I know, some, most of you, okay, almost all of you are gonna be martyred for me. Um, but I know that's hard. So, you know, just be a Christian and hide. It's not what he said. The, rescue, the radically rescued rescue radically. So the disciples had a job to do, and it was a radical job. The job that you have to do for Jesus is a radical job. And if he didn't let all them stay the same, do you really think he's gonna let the Samaritan woman stay the same? Do you really think he wants us to remain the same? Everything changed in a moment. So once again, here's the question, how are you gonna respond? How are we, yes, the big C church gonna respond? And I'm gonna give you another hard question. I want you to take this in. If I'm not changing for more of God, do I really know God? I know that one stings a little. But we should be in a constant state of change for the kingdom, for the namesake of Jesus instead of going back to Israel, go back to Egypt. Let's not go back to the pain. Let's not go back to what we've been rescued from. 1 John 1, 8 through 10 says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. But if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a what? And showing that his word has no place in our hearts. We've got to admit the sin. Identify it, kill it, call sin what it is, and move forward. We've been rescued. We've been rescued. And then she went to her village. She went to her village and she told them everything that Jesus had done. And they went and they went and saw Jesus and Jesus spent two days with them. And then verse 42, it says, they said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. Now we know that he is indeed the savior of the world. Woo. When we, we heard him, he told us, we've listened. So the call of the church is when we hear, we've been rescued to trust. We've been rescued to trust. When we hear his voice, we gotta obey. We gotta do what he says. There are too many churches in this world that are not listening and not obeying. The big C church is called to listen and obey. And the only way to do that is to get close to Jesus. Don't just sit and wait. 
we have to get close. We have to be the ones willing to get close to him. He's there. Go to Luke 5. This is where the disciples are about to be introduced to Jesus. Jesus gets in the boat, pushes off, sits in the boat with Simon Peter. and These guys have been out fishing all night and they're tired and Jesus goes like, hey, you got a little more energy. And then verse four of chapter five of Luke five, it says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, how many times do you get discouraged because you didn't go the way you wanted, but we gotta, we've been doing it the way we've been taught or the way we wanted to do it. But if we just listen to Jesus, maybe if we'll have that experience where we can say, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as they were with, and the others were with them. His partners, John and James, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. And Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. They left their security. They left everything that they knew because the voice told them, you have a new purpose. What's his voice telling you this morning? We've got to trust him. We've been rescued to trust his voice. That trust in the Hebrew, yakel, means to know. And there's actually four different words for the word trust. Aman means to be firm. Kashash, to lean on someone. Batak, to cling. We're to know him, to be firm on our faith, to lean on him and to cling to him. Psalm 56, four says, I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? And then some trust in chariots, Psalm 20, and some in horses, but we will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. And they are brought to their knees and fall, but we will rise up and stand firm. We've been rescued to make a difference. We've been rescued to trust. And we've also been rescued to forgive. We need to be a church and a people that value forgiveness. You're having problems in your marriage? Value forgiveness. You have trouble with people around you? Value forgiveness. Because when we value forgiveness, forgiveness destroys the works of division. 
Matthew 6, 14 through 15 says, but if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. It is so vitally important that we as the church walk with an attitude and a heart of forgiveness. Well, you don't understand what my ex did. Forgive him. But you don't understand the pain that people caused me. Forgive him. The Samaritan woman forgave. Not only did she forgive, she went back to the village and she didn't care what they said about her. She said, let me introduce you to Jesus. She wasn't thinking, oh, they hurt me. Oh, they've talked about me. Oh, they judged me. Oh, they've done so many horrible things to me. Oh, forget all that. Let me tell the entire village about the forgiveness that I have received. And here's what happens when we understand what forgiveness is and we know that Jesus has forgiven us, the forgiven forgive. We have been called to forgive. The forgiven forgive. And you wanna change somebody's outlook on you? Forgive them. You want to mess with them? Forgive them. You want to change their whole false theology about you and Christians? Forgive them. Forgive them. Pastor, it's so hard. I know. I forgave the lady who hit my sister and my sister died, but I had to forgive her. And if I can forgive her, you can forgive those that have hurt you. If Jesus can look down from the cross and say, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do, you can forgive those who have hurt you. Why? Because the spirit of the Lord is upon me. You can do it. And we need, to, we need to forgive freely. Matthew 10, 8 says, give as freely as you have received. You are the rescued. Now we actually have to live for the rescuer. I'm gonna ask us to stand I wanna ask our ministry team to just go ahead and come up. And the first thing is, if you don't know King Jesus and you don't know how awesome he is and how wonderful he is, but there is something inside of you that says, I need to go deeper. I need to know who this person is. I wanna answer this call. I wanna obey. We're gonna invite you to come up. Anybody that's up here, would love to introduce you to Jesus. And if there's someone that's not and you're standing there, there will be another person that comes up and they will pray with you.
I promise that. You are not alone. You come into the family and you come into the church. That's the big C family. And you're in the family of God. Maybe there's something that you need to forgive. Maybe we haven't been obeying the voice and we, we know he's been telling us something to do, but we haven't done it. We give you that opportunity to come up and we wanna pray with you. Maybe you just need to come up and just be at the altar. Just bow down and give it to him. We'll let you do that too. But don't leave here without being rescued radically. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And Lord, we know that if you say it, it is done. When you speak it, the impossible becomes possible. And when it seems immovable, you're the one that can move. You can move everything around. So Lord, we come before you right now and I speak freedom, I speak hope, I speak peace, I speak forgiveness over those of us that need to walk in this this morning. And Lord, let us just come and worship you. You said, and it is done. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, let's worship him.
Thanks for joining us today. We are Crosspoint Church, and we're in Tyler, Texas. We'd love for you to find out more about who we are, and uh, we put that in the show notes. Have an amazing day. Thank you.